0: Welcome to the WFO Life Podcast. Buckle up for interviews, insights, and practical discussions, and the occasional intellectual oddity, all designed to help you master self, master craft, and accomplish any life mission. Hey, welcome back to the WFO Life Podcast. This is Dr. William Curtis, and I have a special bonus episode today uh, because I've been receiving so many questions about hey, what do you think about the pandemic? Where are things going? And as I do periodically in this podcast, I will give some, you know, kind of medical or health lifestyle, you know, updates and things that I think are of value to people that listen to this podcast. So this will interrupt our season four uh, normal programming, uh, which will be uh, released later this week, where we will continue discussing personal or self development. So as a little backstory here, every day, you know, I get questions about what I think about the pandemic, what do I think about vaccines, boosters, masks, medications, treatment protocols, you name it, I get questions about this over and over and over all day long. And I think it's good that periodically I just get my personal observations and thoughts down. And again, this is a, let me give you a little medical disclaimer here. I'm not, I'm not providing you medical advice. Okay. This is, has nothing to do with you. This is just my personal observations. People want to know what I think about uh, my experiences treating patients. Uh, You know, what do I think about various aspects of this whole pandemic? And what I try to do in this, uh, in this episode is I'm going to try and just give you my perspective, um, having treated literally hundreds of both Delta cases and Omicron cases uh, in the course of the last year, and, and and what that experience looks like, and what observations I have. The reason I give that disclaimer, however, is because the reality is I'm one physician. Well, actually, I work in a group, so you know I do see the experiences of, of my teammates uh, in a in a f- uh, four to five provider practice, but at the same time it's just a small sampling it doesn't it doesn't mean this is the gospel that like this is the experience it could be just um a statistical you know what i'm seeing could be just a statistical anomaly so you have to look at this on a broader scale if you're if you're trying to take this in in the greater context of how important is this information but for what it's worth i'm going to give you my best swing at several areas one area i'm going to give is just a p- pandemic you know just the general what i see going on we're going to talk a little bit about vaccines i'm going to talk about testing cuz this is something that comes up over and over i'll go ahead and give a couple uh, two cents on masks and then maybe a little bit on treatment protocols so we're going to spend maybe hopefully not more than 15 minutes, covering these areas. And I hope this is a value. If it is of value to you, please share the podcast with uh, friends, family, and people that uh, listen to podcasts and want to learn uh, about what's going on in the world. And, uh, of course, it helps us if you share this, and it helps us also if you leave reviews with things like iTunes and Stitcher and the places where you listen to podcasts. So, without further ado, let's get to talking about my my observations about the pandemic generally oh and quite frankly this information is dated right so uh, things change so you have to keep in mind this particular episode was recorded on february 18th 2022 and this these things can change over time uh, these these opinions uh, my opinions about covid-19 pandemic generally have been fairly consistent i have seen some things that changed that that maybe changed my mind about how I treat. But for the most part, um, this is something that, uh, you know, I always want to put that timestamp out there to make sure people understand, hey, this could change over time. And I'll, of course, always update if I have had new information. So pandemic, generally, I do see a slowing. I would say six weeks ago, we were seeing Omicron cases or something that appears to be Omicron cases repeatedly. All day long, um, I would say our clinic was probably esti- averaging, oh, I would say 20 to 25 cases a day of something that was either testing for or looked identical to some type of um, COVID-19 infection. So many of those would be positive, but basically what I'm pointing out is you know, heavy cold and flu season, very, very busy. Um, and seeing lots of cases, uh, mostly by telemedicine and then with testing in our parking lot to identify what uh, if the patient was COVID-19 positive. That was extremely busy and it was kind of this long, extremely busy, uh, meaning that that went on for several weeks, uh, a little bit longer than you would typically see in a cold uh, season where a lot of times what will happen is for like one to two weeks, you'll see a bump in uh, colds and, and, and act, activity related to treating respiratory infections. And then it sort of goes away and it spikes again. Uh, and, and that's the typical cold season. This seemed longer to me. It was like a long spike. <clears throat> Interestingly, because, you know, we were, my clinic, we were very heavily treating Delta cases when, when the wave came through that looked like Delta, uh, we were treating a lot of those cases. So now with the Omicron wave, we were able, it's, it's easy clinically to see a difference in the illness. Now, could I be wrong about this? Yes, but let me explain. First off, characteristically, Omicron looks nothing like Delta, in my opinion, from a, from a physical standpoint, from what patients present with. And this is, I'm basing this on, you know, we have, We have our local health authorities saying that this is Omicron. So I presume, this is a presumption, that they are doing some type of viral uh, cultures. So they are identifying in the region that there are Omicron cases. Okay, so that's one thing I'm basing this on. Uh, I don't see that. I don't see a lot of testing, and we do not test with viral cultures because they're hard to do, and they require special testing and resources and all these kind of things. So it's not like when you go to the doctor, you're getting swabbed and go, "Aha, you have Omicron. Aha, you have Delta." They're not. They just know that it's positive based on the COVID nineteen testing. However, here's the thing. When the Delta wave came through, it's the illness is very characteristically different than what we were seeing or what we typically see with the COVID-19 cases in the most recent wave. What we see with Delta is it's a very uh, flu-like, violent illness where it comes on very aggressively, severe headaches, severe body aches. Uh, the patients will typically complain of a cough right out of the gate and they feel terrible. Mack truck runs over them, kind of terrible. Okay. Then what happens with Delta is over about three to five days, they're fairly sick. And then there's like this window where at about five to six days, a lot of these patients will say, I'm starting to feel better, which, which is what you would expect in a t- typical you know, viral illness. Most people are starting to get better in five to seven days. That's why we don't treat viral illnesses with antibiotics and all these kinds of things because it's it's a virus and your body defends itself and you get better. Interestingly, uh, the, the patients that are not going to do well with Delta, I, I had a lot of experience treating this, is that about five to seven days, there's a there's a significant uptick in respiratory symptoms, in particular shortness of breath and this air hunger. And sometimes you'll start to see their oxygen levels drop uh, from a typical 96 plus uh, percent down to maybe the low 90s and there's some concern and if they move around they're very short of breath these types of things this is a sign that there's some significant inflammation your body's own response to the virus is now starting to kick in and the the ones that spook me as a physician and that make really sit up and pay attention as these patients to start dropping their oxygen levels and what I know from the Delta strain is that, that that typically happens at about five to seven days. You better be looking for that. Now, um, having said that, the, when the Omicron wave comes along, we start seeing tons of situations where patients are testing positive, but their symptoms are very mild, and they didn't present the same way. Omicron presents, in my clinical experience, it presents as low-grade achiness and prominent sore throat. Also, sometimes leg pain, like leg achiness, specifically lower leg achiness. It is does not have, in the patients that I have been treating, it does not have tremendous respiratory, uh, upper respiratory symptoms like coughing and things like that. It does have it, but it's typically a few days later and it's not very severe. So, it tends to be drainage Really wicked sore throat, uh, and leg pain, um, sometimes mild headaches. It is a, it, patients with Omicron in my clinical experience have repeatedly confused this illness with a minor cold or they have confused it with allergies. So it is a, it is very different. Okay. It does not even start the same way. Uh, they apparently are close enough in, their phenotype, their, their genetics that they test the same as a COVID virus as they are turning up positive on the testing. But clinically speaking, they don't look the same. So even though I'm not doing a viral culture, I feel confident that when a patient presents, I can look at that and say, well, this is more Omicron like, and the outcomes should be very mild typically, or this is more Delta like. Now that could, you know, I've seen in the national news where they're, they're saying, oh, we have, you know, the Omicron hospitalizations have have dramatically surpassed Delta and this is the worst ever. But the thing is, is like that's not what I see daily. It's not, that's not I, I'm not seeing the same number of patients that are getting critically ill that I'm having to send to the hospital. I do know they exist. I do know it happens. But even the ones that I do know of, they didn't present like Omicron. They presented like Delta, which makes me think that Delta is obviously still out there. And, and it comes back through the community periodically or it comes in small waves and there's people that still contract it and get sick and, and, and impacts them more severely than Omicron. So that's just, I, I don't know if that confuses the picture or not, but there's a clear clinical difference in the presentation and. There is not a tremendous amount of viral testing going on. So when you see these statistics of how many people had positive tests, please, they are not doing that many viral culture tests every day. They don't know. They just know that there's positive tests. Okay. Most of these people are not getting, you know, viral cultures done. They're just getting sick from a COVID like virus that tests positive. And in my opinion, I don't think that that is, that is completely an accurate picture to say the Omicron wave is the worst ever uh, because it might not actually be the Omicron virus. in many of these positive cases, the data gets in my opinion, I just don't think that the data is that accurate. I do not doubt that there are people getting sick from a COVID virus and perhaps just another wave of Delta. That could be what's happening, but either way that's my take now on to the vaccinated versus unvaccinated in regards to the pandemic during the delta wave i saw a clear and distinct benefit from vaccination i'm not going to get into the weeds about individual vaccines or whatever i did but i did see a clear difference when i was treating patients especially during the delta wave between people who had had the vaccine and people who had not First difference of, let's say in any given week, if I, if I, during the Delta wave, if I was seeing a hundred patients in a given week that were positive for, for COVID-19, what I noticed is that the vast majority, let's call it 60 to 70% of the people that I treated that were positive um, in the Delta wave had not been vaccinated. Okay. So most of the people I treated were unvaccinated patients during the Delta wave. Of the severe cases that I treated, the vast herd of those people that were severe or going to the hospital were unvaccinated. Now, what I also noticed is that there was about 30% or less of people that had been vaccinated and even boosted in some cases that Still got Delta or still got something that was COVID-19. So that told me early on that the vaccinations, uh, and the immunization process did not protect everyone against even contracting it. And it was a significant percentage of people, but it was, uh, what was also, but what was interesting is those people were markedly less sick. Okay. So I was not admitting people to the hospital. I was not sending people into the ER because they're in respiratory problems when they had been vaccinated for Delta. I hope that makes sense. That's what I experienced. And also also interesting, what I saw was that if, if there was 100 patients that we saw that were positive, I would see literally one to two out of 100 that had had COVID before. Okay, so think about that. Um, they were uh, previously had already had COVID-19 and got it again maybe six months or a year later when the Delta wave came along. Very few people like that. Which tells me that likely that the prior COVID-19 experience, i.e. natural immunity, is probably quite substantial for this this set of viruses, which you would expect. Why wouldn't the human body be the best at defending itself? Because it's not just one one antibody we're creating. It might create multiple antibodies against the same virus, multiple ways it would attack, a different immune complexes that we create and we learn and we, you know, we adapt. So that doesn't make this, this doesn't seem strange to me that that would be a strong, uh, strong protection, which would be natural immunity. That which does not kill us makes us stronger. I think the saying goes Uh, again, in my opinion, Delta had much more serious cases. It was characteristically different and Omicron seems to be a milder version I do not see as many hospitalizations. I do not see as many things that start like Omicron that end up as a major hospitalization. That doesn't mean that's a fact. That just means that's my experience. Uh, I talked about vaccines a little bit. I'm going to move on to, you know, vaccine questions, uh, Delta versus Omicron, you know, uh, again, I, I already mentioned that a little bit talking about my observations with the pandemic generally, but I did see a benefit with vaccination with, uh, Delta strain type infections, uh, it, when the Omicron wave came along, I don't see any difference. There are tons of people coming in. I see no statistical difference between the people who are coming in that have been vaccinated and the ones unvaccinated. Most people seem to be vaccinated at this point and they're still getting Omicron. So to me that says whatever Delta, whatever the vaccination we received for the original COVID-19 plus Delta seem to be effective, but I don't see any real clinical difference unless the clinical difference is that, uh, the people getting Omicron are milder because they've been vaccinated. You know, I'm I'm trying to be devil's advocate here to myself. Uh, maybe, maybe it's milder because most people are vaccinated now. I don't know. There's just no way for me to know that, but I don't see that people that i see a large percentage of people unlike the delta wave i see a large percentage of people that have had vaccination immunization that still get omicron anyway now fortunately they're not very sick doesn't seem to be a big issue for most people but that that is the observation i've had uh on to safety of vaccines i have you know you can get on the internet and read and warp your mind with all kinds of uh conspiracy theories and everything else and 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 maybe they're true. Who knows? I don't know. Um, but I can tell you that I have taken the vaccine, had zero side effects with it. And I also have treated hundreds and hundreds of people, both for COVID-19 and just for general health. And I have had um, close to zero people coming back claiming problems related to a vaccine. I've had a couple people that had a red arm and soreness for a couple of days. Otherwise, I've seen absolutely zero evidence that there's some catastrophic Thing happening with these vaccines. Um, what if you presented me with information that said, but Dr. Curtis, there's this, there's this uh, vaccine data and it, you know, there's people dying from it and all these things. I, I listen, maybe, I don't know. I don't know. I don't see it. I have a pretty big practice. I see a lot of people. I don't see people coming forward claiming problems related to a vaccine. Could that be a short-term versus long-term thing? Yes. I've heard all these arguments, Please don't shout me out on the interwebs. Uh, It's just, I'm just, I'm just reporting what I see. I just don't see it. I don't see that as a problem. Okay. Uh, On that note on vaccines. Okay. Booster, booster, booster. How many boosters should we get? Booster squared, right? Everything's booster. I don't know. Um, If you have antibodies, which we do a lot of testing for now, that's the point of the vaccine, right? So if you have antibodies, I'm not sure of the value of the same booster and booster over and over. I know there's research that shows that the vaccine the immunization wanes, but then you get Omicron and it boosts your immunity up again. So I I just I'm on the fence with that. I mean, I maybe I'm in maybe I'm not towing the party line or whatever, for, but medically speaking, I'm just voicing my my Question of okay, well, why do we keep boosting over and over and over if people already have antibodies? If they have antibodies, that's kind of like um, even if the va- even if the antibodies go up and down a little bit, because they will. Think of the think that the antibodies, like you know, the cells that make these antibodies that fight the virus are they're like they're like firemen sitting in a fire station. Just because they're not running around on the street doesn't mean they're not there and ready to respond. So if you have some antibodies. If you were to encounter some COVID-like illness, those firemen will come piling out of their stations, and they will go and solve the problem, right? So, to me, I, I'm on the fence with boosters. If you have immune problems, if you know, you know maybe advanced age, weak immunity, no antibodies despite immunization, maybe, maybe booster makes sense. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of keep reading on that, and I'm gonna keep. Kind of trying to s- decipher through all the myriad of c- conflicting information about this uh, that we get, both from the government and from the um, manufacturers of these vaccines and the research. I'm just going to keep watching that, um, and 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 I, th- you know, if I were you, I would just kind of handle that with your your per- your personal physician and kind of look at your individual risk factors. But if you have if you have antibodies to COVID 19 and it shows you clearly been exposed or you've been you 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 make these antibodies and i don't i don't know how much sense that makes to keep boosting over and over it just clinically i have a tr- i have trouble with that let's move on to testing okay let me just say this but post testing like getting tested after you've been sick for 5 to 10 days because your employer said so is dumb i'm just going to say that because it is dumb and it's really simply a social function That is making HR departments feel better. But the reality is post testing, they've told us from the original, you know, when the first COVID-19 came out and we're doing all these tests, they told us originally the test does not indicate infectiousness. That's not what it is. That's it tests for viral particles. Doesn't test to see whether you are growing a virus from your body and that could be spread to other people. Infectiousness for most of these COVID 19 viruses appears to be two days prior to your symptoms starting, which is why it's so contagious and and spreads so easily, and then for about five days after symptoms start. That's why the guidelines for how long you should quarantine are really about five days now because you're not infectious after that. But what if my test turns positive, doctor? I'm still sick. No. You're not going to grow live virus out of your system after five to 10 days. And certainly after they're they're saying now after five, but certainly not after 10, but I'm still coughing. It doesn't mean you're contagious. Okay. And these like hundreds of post infection COVID-19 tests that we're doing over and over and over trying to get people to turn negative negative it's done under the false perception that that is de- determining your infectiousness when it's not. <sighs> so, you know, I know the HR people are out there like, well, what do we do? Well, you know, you quarantine people for, for five to 10 days at the most, and then you let them come back to work, presuming they are showing signs of well, you know, being well. I mean, if people are still running high fever over a hundred and point five, then, then, you know, let them stay home. Okay. Maybe they've got some other secondary infection or some issue, but there doesn't appear to be a lot of evidence that this post testing is helpful. But I don't know. I don't see it going away. And I've, I've stopped fighting that battle. If you, you want to get tested, get tested. But it, it doesn't really seem, you know, people don't seem to listen to the fact that it doesn't mean you're infectious. Um, the testing simply means that you've been exposed to the virus and there's some type of viral particles, enough genetic material floating around in your nose, in your posterior pharynx to set off the test appropriately. One last thing on testing Omicron versus Delta. Omicron uh, does test positive, but I see, I can see, I've see waves, like I'll see five people in the same family. One will test positive, two maybe two will test positive, and three will test negative, but they all have identical symptoms. <clears throat> I don't know what that means. I, I, I just think that the test is not super accurate. I think it has, uh, not from a positive standpoint. I think if it's positive, it's positive. So, you know, these people are out doing, if you have a positive, probably not a reason to do three and four tests, which a lot of people do to try to prove it or ultra prove it. Um, they It has a high false negative rate, and it, it's variable based on and you know if you if you're interested in more of this i covered this more in an earlier podcasts i would say the information is still the same but basically the test it has a high false negative rate depending on when you got sick depending on what day of illness you're on and it just isn't that accurate it is accurate if it's positive though um okay moving on masks um i don't perceive a lot of value in them uh, they're very Uh, they disrupt my clinical care because I can't see what the patient's facial expressions are like. Um, I'm struggling to breathe. They're struggling to breathe. I I think that masks have very limited value with the exception of in high risk situations where the person has a known illness and perhaps if you're using the highest quality filtration masks. But even at that, if you're in that room long enough, I don't think the mask will ultimately protect you, but maybe maybe, Maybe it stops the large spittle or you know vapors, uh, you know w- uh, droplets and things like that from being sprayed in a room. Uh, in the end, the virus is really small, and um, it, it's it, it seems to be that you know I'm not I'm not sh- I'm just not sure that that makes a lot of difference. I I, I think I think long term research with masks that I've seen I know Doctor Sullivan has, has showed me that this doesn't seem like they have much value. Uh, but we all socially seem to think that that's makes people more comfortable. So that's why they're being used right now. Um, again, highest quality masks um, and these cloth masks and the socks that we pull over our face and all these kind of things that they don't, they don't do anything. So uh, if you're going to, you know, be in a high risk situation you have a loved one that's sick, you have to get the highest quality masks. And obviously, um, Quarantine is probably the safer uh, way to prevent spread in in a household. Finally, last, and I went longer than I thought, so we're going to end up at 30 minutes here for this episode. Treatment. Uh, I have used some of the new antiviral medications. I'm not going to go into this in great detail. I have used them for cases that where I thought were Delta or uh, early on in the Omicron phase. I did use them. I didn't see tremendous side effects. Patients all did well. I'm, I'm, I don't. I don't feel that I have the cases of Omicron I've treated. I've not felt that I required anything that was like the Delta treatments we did. The ivermectins, the uh, antiviral, the Regeneron infusions. In fact, the government sort of backed away from Regeneron infusions, and you can hardly get them now. Uh, typically, we treat with. Uh, Besides supportive care, which I can get into, uh, we typically have been treating with uh, first uh, things like dexamethasone, budesonide inhalers, or nebulizer solutions to kind of keep the airways open. And then sometimes we'll cover with antibiotics like Zithromax, Seftonir, uh, those types of things. Once the, if a patient shows pneumonia, that's a whole different gamut of treatment, but uh, you know, this is when they start showing low oxygen, things like that. The, the treatments become different, but typically, um, what I'm doing is, if I see a patient that seems very ill, I am using the new antiviral medications, and uh, but again, I haven't seen. I don't. I don't have a good feel for the efficacy or the benefit. But I certainly am not seeing anybody call back saying they're having bad problems with the medication. Um, not all pharmacies carry that. Uh, typically, the Walmart pharmacies have been carrying that, um, but there may be others as time goes on. That changes. Um, from a complimentary or supportive standpoint, I very much stand by the things I've been telling people. If you don't want to get sick, if you don't want to get bad sick with something like Omicron or Delta or anything we've been talking about here, what do you do? First thing is get your health in order. Be a person who is physically fit. Don't make excuses for why you can't boost your own immunity through exercise, which is, has massive ability to boost immunity. Um, eat right. Stop eating crap stop eating sugar because sugar suppresses immunity and makes your white blood cells dysfunctional. So stop doing it. If you're, uh, have known health problems, inflammatory disorders, uh, heart disease, extreme diabetes, or even moderate diabetes, you need to, you need to, to pay serious attention to what I just said. We have courses in the future focus health network where you can take, you know, for free, you can learn how to reverse type two diabetes. You can, learn how to uh, treat autoimmune conditions uh, with nutrition and lifestyle changes. That's how you decrease your body's immunologic dysfunction. That's how you can uh, get your body to respond to a virus without overreacting to it and leading to some type of major inflammatory problem that leads to pneumonia, etc., etc. So first thing is low glycemic, low sugar diet, anti-inflammatory diet. Uh, If you don't know what that is, then go look at the Future Focus Health Network and look for those classes. Second thing you can do, you could take things like zinc, quercetin. You can take antioxidants like vitamin C, N-acetylcysteine. You can uh, drink plenty of fluids. You can get seven to nine hours of sleep a night, and you can do the best you can to avoid sick people. Okay? But... Uh, this is, this is in my opinion, currently the best things you could do. All right. Once you're sick, you know, that's, that's a topic for another show. You know what, what we do there, but some of this, some of those treatments are very similar. Um, and I think I've covered some of the things we did post-treatment during the Delta wave bonus podcast I've done here. I went really long in this longer than I thought I would go. I thought this was going to be 10 minutes, but. I did realize uh, I wrote down all the questions that were people asking me and there's a lot. So this is obviously of high interest to people. Again, if this has been valuable to you, um, please share a Lieutenant Colonel story and I's uh, work on the WFL life podcast with your friends and family. Uh, Again, this is not medical advice. It's just my information that I know and what I think and what I've seen. And if this has been valuable to to, to you, um, then please uh, leave us a comment and join us in the future focus health network. I'd love to hear from you. Take care. Be safe.